Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. So this is so exciting for me. This is the very first episode of Breaking Free Authentically. And I'm really excited about um, telling you my story because it's something that is so important to me and it's changed my life. I have um, recorded it in an interview with a friend of mine named Sarah, and um, we had a great time recording this. I'm really sad because the quality is not what I wanted it to be, but you know what? You have to start somewhere, and this is the first one, so I apologize for the bad audio. I fixed it as best as I could. It really was really hard to listen to before, but I have learned now what to do with my microphone so that doesn't happen again. And so I hope you will still enjoy it. I hope it's not too distracting. Maybe you can relate in some way and it'll help you figure out some things about your life that maybe you didn't realize. Um, Maybe you don't, maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like you need to break free, but you don't want to be inauthentic. And that's really so important to me. So just buckle up and come along for the ride. We'll be right back with the interview. Please visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love to have you join our private Facebook community and oasis called Breaking Free to Be Authentically Me. All links will be in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to our very first episode of Breaking Free Authentically. I'm here with my friend Sarah. Hi. And I'm so excited to have her here because um, I just think it's more fun to tell my story when I'm talking to someone. And um, I know that she doesn't know my story very well and she's wanted to know. So this is a perfect opportunity. So I thought share it with her while I share it with you. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being here, Sarah. My pleasure. Well, actually, thanks for being at your own house, I guess. <laughs> thanks for letting me crash your place. Anytime. Um, <laughs> um, it's always more fun. More fun with a friend. Absolutely. So today, I wanted to tell my story, and I promised um, I promised you that I would tell you the story about being a Bible school graduate turned Playboy enthusiast. And a lot of people just kind of laugh when I say that because it's kind of a catchy title. They're like, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) I know I've said that to you before. What did you think when I said that? Well, I did think it was kind of a, you know, humorous uh, title to give yourself. But at the same time, I'm intrigued and, you know, finding out really what that means. Good. Um, 
So I think a lot of people have said to me, like, what is Bible school? Oh, I went to Bible school too. And I think what you'll find out is that this is not just Bible school. This is university. This is Bible college. This is like, you know, more than what most people, most people do. So we'll get there. Let's um, go back a little bit. Uh, so I want to just start at the beginning of just kind of like the kind of childhood I had when I grew up. So I was a military kid. So I moved around a lot. Um, my dad was in the Air Force, the Canadian Air Force. Um, I'm originally from Quebec, so I'm French-Canadian, so my name is actually Karine Bedard. Nice. Um, but I say Karine Bedard, so that's okay. You can all say Karine Bedard if you are not French. That is perfectly fine. Um, yeah, so I moved around my whole life, and I was born in Chicoutimi, Quebec, and that's where my mom was born. My dad is from um, Quebec City. And oddly enough, he grew up on La Côte Bédard, and our last name is Bédard. Oh, interesting. So he kind of grew up, that's kind of a little fun fact about my family. Um, I think it's fun to share anyways. Um, okay, so let's get into this. So I was born in Chicoutimi, and my parents met, my mom was Catholic, my dad was Protestant. So in Quebec, you... Uh, if you're Protestant, you go to English school. So my dad knew English, and uh, my mom grew up very Catholic. She was in French school, choir, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So my parents met, and I remember my mom said that she really felt excited because he was different, you know, like he was a Protestant, and he had just a different way of seeing things than, than she did. And so we're going to go to, like, kind of what my background is. My dad was evangelical Christian. And so we wouldn't consider Catholics even Christian, you know? So people are like, oh, I'm Christian too. I was Catholic. I was like, oh, you don't understand how different that was. Now, looking back, it's not nearly as different as I thought. But like when I was growing up, what I was told about my faith was that I was the only one that had the truth. That's huge, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so there's this kind of idea that you you know things that others don't. You have this, like, this information that others don't have. And I, and I always, like, I think I always kind of felt superior to others without trying to because I knew, I knew the truth and they didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. So th I thought that was very interesting. So my mom ended up converting um, from Catholicism to Christianity um, when I was, just after I was born. And um, so anyways... Fast forward, so I, I say all that to, to say, okay, so when they got married and, and they moved on, and she be, she became a born-again Christian, fundamentalist, evangelical, born-again Christian. Like, if we're going to be very specific, that's kind of the, the route that, that they took. If we go back, that, she was learning all of the things, like soaking it all in, what the protestant way of thinking was you know and the evangelical way and so all the churches that we would go to so because we we're military our homes became the church so wherever we moved the church was our home and my mom was a very devout religious person let's just say that right um and so when you are a devout christian you would never say that you're religious ever like religious is a bad word no 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 i'm not religious I have a relationship, a relationship with Christ. And that's how 
you view everything, right? So the the Bible is filtered through those kind of thinking. So she became very serious about investigating what the Bible had to say about everything. Bible study was everything to her. She wanted to do the right thing because she now knew the truth, right? So this was a big deal for her to bring her family up the right way, not like she had been taught, right? Because mm-hmm. now she had the truth. And so I feel like that's kind of an important background because of how serious this was for my upbringing, all of my thinking was very influenced by that. So my program, I I talk a lot about shifting the programming, um, the societal and religious programming that we have. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not religious. You know, like I don't have that programming. I'm like, you don't understand how much of society's programming is influenced or informed by religious programming like it just filters through and if we talk about sex you can't just openly talk about sex I have to put an explicit warning on this podcast because I will be talking about sex right and by by religion basically religion is is simply a set of rules right yeah I mean that's what we would have said as Christians right and so we're not rules like our aim is to glorify God and so it's guidelines that that help us to stay you know close to God Mm -hmm. and bring glory to him so we always thought Catholics are just about works you know like if you're talking about work salvation whether um or if it's like um oh goodness basically following a set of rules yeah yeah so but but as evangelicals it's not about following a set of rules. It's right. about what you believe and the, yeah. and the fact that you trust Jesus. More relation. Yeah. So it is very much. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that, I think that's why we don't ever, we never would have used the word religious because that is, yes. Yeah. Like you said, following a set of rules. Good point. Very good point. Thank you. Um, okay. So as a child, um, I was a very sexual child. So what does, what does that mean exactly? You were a sexual child. What does that mean? So. I don't know about you, but I discovered um, that I enjoyed parts of my body at a young age. I remember getting caught at four years old for masturbating and getting in really big trouble. Like, my mom was abhorred that this was happening. <laughs> and I didn't even know, I didn't know it was wrong at that point. I just knew it felt good and it made me happy. You know, like I just, this is just a natural part of who I was. I'm a, pretty observant, happy-go-lucky kid, and I, I, you know, but I also, as a firstborn, I'm very much a rule follower, and all of a sudden, here's my mom very upset with this, that this is not okay, the Bible says this is wrong, and I'm like, oh, but I couldn't stop doing it, because I just would get this urge to, like, just have that release or whatever, and, and I really, it was something I really enjoyed, but I, it's something I always had to feel bad about like all throughout my life is pretty, um, pretty drilled into me that shame and guilt were attached to that act for sure. And certain parts of my body. And then of course, growing up in a very fundamentalist Christian home, um, you know, like what you wear and then, you know, what the neighbors think or how you, you know, approach things and everybody's looking at you as a Christian because you're an example, right? Because again, we have, we're the only ones that have the truth. So everybody's watching us mm-hmm. as Christians, mm-hmm. which holy, that's so much pressure. It really <laughs> is so much pressure on a kid. And I wanted to do things well and right, you know? So, um, 
I, like I said, sexual shame. So I was like a very involved kid in the church. Like I loved the church and I, the, the teachings of the church, like my mom presented all these things in such a beautiful way because she absolutely loved them. It was transformative to her life. You know, like she found freedom in it. Um, and so she wanted us to really know these things. Right. So I, I enjoyed my life. You know, I'm, I'm a musician. I played the piano since I was grade three. I started piano lesson, piano lessons. And, um, I was a church pianist by 13. I was one of the church pianists. Like I played on a regular basis, at least once a month. I played with the organist and like it just, and so wherever we moved to, I always, like, that was my role. I would go play the piano and sing or lead worship or whatever. And that just kind of was my part of my identity, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in high school, I was I was a bit boy crazy. Um, but it was more just in my mind. You know, like, I didn't go and date a bunch of people. I just liked someone new almost every week. <laughs> You know, like, but I couldn't date a non-Christian guy, which was most of the kids at school, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there was only so many in the youth group that were, quote unquote, you know, dateable Mm -hmm. to me. Right. Um, And the ones that were interested in me, it was like such a weird, awkward dynamic. Because like, you're not allowed to really be yourself if you're, if I'm being honest, like, but I didn't see it that way. I just thought I was odd. I just thought, because I'm kind of cuddly, you know me. Yes. <laughs> I'm a cuddle bug, and I just, I love to show affection, but it's not a sexual thing for me. That's a very different thing. Affection sexually, or affect, I'm just an affectionate kid, and I'm French, Canadian, and my family's very affectionate, and mm-hmm. and also nudity and, and stuff was not a big deal in my house. You can walk around naked, it's not that big a deal, which yeah. is so weird. So I didn't think that I was oppressed sexually at all, right? Because nudity's fine, I could, yeah. you know, if my dad was in the bathroom, I'd just walk in and brush my and, teeth. And that's the way it was at my house growing up, too. Like, we had one bathroom, there was five of us, and... You know, if somebody was having a bath and somebody had to go to the bathroom, it didn't matter. Like, it just didn't matter. No. We would go in and out, you know, like, it just, it was I think that's beautiful. I think that, I'm really thankful that I did have that because I didn't have body shame, I'm going to say. Like, I didn't have that. I didn't have shame and guilt about a naked body, you know. I mean, there was appropriate times and non-appropriate times. But I am really thankful that um, I was allowed, I didn't feel shame for being nude around my family, even my dad. Like, it, that wasn't something I was shamed about. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. When I was at school, like I said, I was a music kid, so I was in band and choir and all the time. And most, Something else we have in common. I know. <laughs> That's how we met, in the choir. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was the accompanist, and you were in the choir. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and we had other things going on at, in our lives that really kind of brought us together at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. Um So music has always been such a big part of my life. But most of my friends were always guys growing up. Why? Because girls are a lot of drama. (laughs) For the most part, I hated girls. They were so mean to me because I was this, like, very naive, sweet kind of girl. And I think, I don't know if that was threatening to other girls, but I didn't have trouble talking to the boys. And the boys were just, like, I got along with them really easily. I always have. And I don't know if... People thought that I would get too close to people and that it was a threat or what. 
but that was just me being me. And that's, again, part of my culture is very, like, we're just very, like, people think that French people, the Quebecois, are very, like, you know, the French are stuck up in the, but it's not true at all. If you show, like, interest in their culture, in, in trying to speak French or whatever, they're the most down-to-earth, open, warm people you could possibly meet. You know my sister, too, and mm-hmm. she's just like me that way. But if you come in going, oh, well, I'm English and I'm better, they're just going to stick their nose up and be like, well, I'm, I'm not going to put effort into them kind of thing. So I think that's why they kind of get a bad rap. But, man, when they meet people who also want to connect and try to get to know them, they're just amazing, warm people. So that culture is very different than the culture in Ontario, which is much more standoffish compared to Quebec. And then you go to the States, and then that's a whole different ballgame. It's much more independent. Like, you don't show affection. You don't do this. Like, it's very... I I did not fit. Let's just say I don't fit in those cultures very well. And I lived in the States, and I lived in Canada. I lived in Alaska, Tacoma, Washington. You know, like, I've lived all over being military kids. So I saw kind of all different kinds of churches and just different ways of of being so in canada we ended up mostly going to brethren assembly which is like that's hardcore fundamentalists like we wore head coverings as women and the women didn't speak in church uh never would there be a woman pastor fasting yes they could sing it was their heads were covered our first service was like um we called the lord's supper service and they had communion every week for that service. Um, but most evangelical churches don't have communion every week. So we would say that we were like the like the New Testament church, like the house church kind of thing. We didn't have a pastor. We had elders. So elders were in charge, not a pastor. Mm-hmm. And it usually was not a paid role. So that brings me to the idea that submission was a beautiful word for me because I was taught that it was such a beautiful thing and that, that men are the head, women are the neck. Okay, and women can do a lot of things, but if we step up and do it, the men won't. So we chose to submit because we gave them a chance to step up and do their role. So to be taking the role didn't mean we couldn't do it. It just meant that if we did stepped in and did the role of of what the men should be doing, then we were taking away their their job basically to be the head of the home or be the you know, so it was very interesting. So I learned to love the word submission. Like I, I always wanted to be a submissive wife, even though I'm a very independent person and I'm a very strong person and opinionated. <laughs> I know a lot of things and I, I had a lot of talents and, and gifts that I could offer, like playing the piano and things like that. But like if I was on a worship team, I was never the worship leader per se. I would... <laughs> Someone else would introduce the songs and do the speaking. A man would do that. And I would lead the singing from the piano with a microphone from behind. So really, I was leading it all. I led the rehearsals and everything. But when it came time to present it at church, I was not the leader. The credit was never given to the woman. It was the men. So interestingly enough, when I was in high school and all, like all that time when I was like in music and all. what I read for fun was marriage books and psychology books rather than fiction because it's what really interested me. And I also was so wanting a very 
good marriage. Like that was my highest goal to be a good submissive wife and have a good marriage and to be a really good neck, <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> uh, which, which was hard work for me because, you know, like I'm naturally like one who wants to stand up and do the things, but I learned to kind of put that aside and let the men lead. So fast forward, I decided to go to Bible school after high school. I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I went as a music major. So why did you want to go to Bible school? What was your end goal? Like, did you want to go into mu- music ministry? Yeah. Well, yes. So the the family I was living with in my last year, um, he suggested that they had a really good music program because at the time I was like applying to like Western and Toronto and different places to go to music. And so here's kind of the process with the whole music thing is that I, I loved biology and I was really good at biology and, and the sciences and I would have loved to be a surgeon, but my bigger goal was to be a stay at home mom. So that felt like such a waste of resources and time to go study be a surgeon and then be a stay-at-home mom. So I decided to go into music, which my science teacher was so, or my biology teacher was so mad at me. He's so, how can you do music? I was like, you don't understand. I'm really good at that too. Like you don't understand. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of something I'm really, so I thought that would be a better fit to be a mom and go into music. So let's say I married a pastor. I could be a good pastor's wife, you know, and, and play the piano and teach Sunday school and all this kind of stuff. Cause I'm a natural teacher. That's what I've always enjoyed. I, I started teaching piano, like when I was in high school to make extra money. And, uh, I've always been an accompanist and things like that. So and teaching voice as well. Yes. I didn't start that until, until later. So my end goal, I guess, if, if we're being honest was to get married not waste time just being in school because I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So, like, why put all this effort? I didn't – a career was never something I wanted. That was not mm-hmm. my thing. So, um, yeah, I went off to school. And one of the reasons I chose Moody Bible Institute was it was a really good school, um, but it also had no tuition, which was a really – Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was in Chicago, and they had a really good music program. So it was kind of like, but I mean, it was strict. You had to to get in was not easy. Like you you had to agree to the same things, like no drinking, no sex before marriage. Like you'd agree on all those like philosophies and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I went, and um, I went off to Moody Bible Institute, and that's where I. Ended up meeting my husband, but I was engaged actually before I'd met someone before I went and I thought I was just going to go for a year and then get married or whatever. And then that didn't work out. Totally devastating because now all of a sudden I was like, uh, what do I do now? I might have to go four years. Okay. So you decided to go to Bible school. Was that decision looking back? Was that a, a wise decision? At the time, yeah. It was a great decision. I loved my life. I loved my life in the church. Like, I just really, I never questioned anything growing up. Like, it was it was who I was. My identity really was was in that. So here I am at, at Bible school studying music. My fiance at the time breaks up with me. I'm devastated. Now I have to go back for maybe four years. So I'm like, okay. So I became a church music major with a 
with a minor in educational ministries. Okay, so it was like church music, but like I thought, well, if I'm going to be pastor's wife, maybe now, <laughs> then um, I probably should make sure I can teach too, so that I have, you know, I, I have other things. I can teach Sunday school, or I can teach in a Christian school, or whatever. So you said you didn't really feel like you fit in in high school. Did you feel when you went to Bible college that that was a better fit for you? I think so, because it was a bit more of a new identity for me. First of all, I I picked what name I wanted (laughs) because people in high school used to ask me what my name was. And I'd be like, well, that depends if you're my neighbor. Uh, My sister calls me Karen and my parents call me Kathy. And so everybody at church calls me Corinne. And at school, people said, well, it's I-N-E. So it's K-A-R-I-N-E. I-N-E is Ian, like Christine, so it should be Kareen. And I was like, okay. So it was just, I looked like an idiot all the time because I didn't know my own name, you know? <laughs> this is so silly. So when I moved to the States, I moved to States, and I was like, I'm picking a name. And I decided I'm Kareen. So um, I went with that. And because people didn't know me, it was no like standard of my family or that I was the black sheep in the youth group or this or that. You know, I just was able to sort of recreate and start over. And I was known as a a musician and it was like an all girls dorm. We had a brother floor and things like that. Um, And at the end of my first year, I remember, so I had broken up with my fiance. He had broken up with me, which was devastating. I mean, I thought I was going to be married and everything was going to be great. You know, I was going to be a good Christian wife and have kids. Yeah. Um, so now I'm back in the in the dating pool and I was not real happy about that. But um, I had goals, man. I had goals. <laughs> Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> and, and here's the big thing is that the most important thing was to be a virgin when I got married. Right. Here's like sexually aware Kareen, and I have to curb this. Holding hands was considered a big deal in my youth group. That was too much affection. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Hmm. You know, like, ugh. So I have to get married soon because I, I want to stay pure, but like, how in the world am I going to stay pure that long? You know, like that's that was a big ask of me, but I, but I was committed to it. Like it was 100%. I was not going to break that. That was a something I had committed to myself and everybody else and to God, you know. But to myself, it was big. I remember I was being stupid with my friend, John. Uh, he was a, in the band with me. He was a missions major, and he had grown up in Africa. So we just had a lot of fun together. I'm just kind of like dancing on the plaza and just being stupid with him or whatever. And then I noticed this guy across the plaza. Here's this studious guy, you know, and he's reading and doing his homework and looking all like hot, but you know, he was, he was very, and and he wasn't distracted at all by me, which I have ADHD, you know, this, I mean, squirrel, I'm very easily distracted, right? So just the fact that he, he just didn't even look over, made him even more intriguing to me. And I was like, oh. Well, then I found out a little bit later that he was actually going to be on my brother floor the next year. So mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, this guy's going to be on my brother floor or whatever. Fast forward. We ended up dating. And the first time we met, oh, he's 6'4". Like, he's very tall. I'm 5'2", so I'm not very tall. And I remember introducing myself way up there. And he asked my name. And I said, it's Kareen. And he said, oh, green. And I said, yes. 
Because that's I heard Kareen, but he thought my name was Green. Like this is how <laughs> this how it started. Yeah. So, anyways, I was friends with mostly guys, even there. Right? Like, that's who I just got along with easier. I remember I was, like, running through the hall. So there was, like, this underground tunnel system at the school that connected all the buildings. Mm -hmm. So I'm running, chasing my friend Drew through the hallways, and we're just being stupid. And we're walking to the the post office section. I'm walking with my, not fiancé yet, but, like, my boyfriend. So walking and, and chasing this guy up and down who he was friends with too. And then we get to the post office and I remember these words. He said, you know, if we ever get engaged, like this is going to have to stop. And I was like, what? Like chasing guys up and down. Like my, my guy friends, right? Like the, just the easy carefree way that I was with my guy friends, that was going to have to stop. And I was like, why? I know because and, and the thing that hit me is that he wasn't even bothered by my friendships with my guy friends. Like, he wasn't bothered by that. But this was the right thing to do because a good Christian wife can't appear to be liking other people or that he can't control his wife, you know, or that mm. it's just this appearance, right? This, um, was it, perception of perfection really is so important in the church right Mm -hmm. and so I remember peace of me died that day but I decided that that was my fate right like I was resigning myself to that because that was important to me to be a good submissive wife and this was one of the ways to do that right and he had quote-unquote laid down the law right like I agreed to that so then fast forward we got engaged we got married and then that sort of playfulness with other guy friends stopped (sighs) Yes and no. I mean, like the outright chasing each other up and down the halls or whatever. I had to sort of stay like now I was his. Right. And so I really this mentality that you can't really have other guy friends that you're really close to and and things like that. So um, but I still was in band and I went on tour and everything. And I had a lot of guy friends in there. I had to be really careful how that looked, you know. And, um, And the thing is. I remember being attracted to people, like, just because I had chosen that, like, I didn't stop being attracted to other people. I'm a very visual person, and, like, I have big feelings, <laughs> like, I have, and I have big, like, sexual feelings, like, when I'm attracted to someone, it's like, it can be pretty big in me, and I was so afraid that if I got married, that I would cheat, but I didn't want to cheat, like, not at all, but I thought, what, what if I get bored, or, like, what if I... What if I like other people too? Like, I don't know how to control this, but there's something wrong with me for this. You know what I mean? Like, I, nobody else struggles with this. Like, I'm, I, I love him and I, there's no reason why I would cheat. Why? You know, that's not what I had set out to do or, or justify or anything. But I remember thinking, this is going to be hard because, like, this is really in me, but this is not how to be. Like, you can't be that. Monogamy is the way that one person you have sex with them for the first time when you get married and marriage is for life. Like that was, was it? And I chose that willingly hundred percent. I was so happy about that. And I was so proud to be a wife finally, you know? Mm -hmm. So I married a good Christian man and I married the kind of man. So I like, I like to flirt. Well, I, I got I get accused of being a flirt all the time. And I guess you could say I'm a flirt, but I just like being who I am. 
right? Like that's just, I like to be authentic with everyone. And I felt like I had to curb that authenticity completely, right? Like I had to be so like careful what I said and who I said and who I looked at or anything like that. Because like lust, even if in my version of Christianity, and I think probably Catholicism too, but even if you lust in your mind, you've sinned. So like, if you find someone else attractive or sexually attractive, and you have any kind of thought towards them, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. So like, how is I going to not sin? So I guess it's like I had to cut, shut down a part of myself, right? Um, and, and I mean, you have to. So I ended up marrying this guy who didn't lust, like the Calvin Klein bra big billboard outside our Christian school right down the corner that a lot of people complained about. He never had an issue with it because it didn't bother him. It didn't sway him. It didn't cause him to stumble. So that was interesting, just that I was choosing to cut a part of myself off. Um, But that was normal. Like, that was expected and normal, and that's just what everybody did when you grow up. It's adulting, right? It's just, that's what society says is right. That's what my church said it was right. So that's what I did. But, yeah, peace of me died that day. Fast forward, I became a mom, had three wonderful children, and um, I loved my life. I really did. I was playing the piano. We moved back to Canada, went to my uncle's church that he had started. And so my husband became an elder. We just enjoyed life. And I enjoyed being a mom. I led moms and tots groups and Bible studies and all that kind of stuff. You know, I was a model Christian at my church and I knew everything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was pretty annoying, I think, Yeah, when I think about it. And uh, and funny enough, like if you think, when I met you even, where this choir was that we were singing at was what kind of church? Is Presbyterian. That? Presbyterian church, right, sorry. And so that wasn't even like, I was more Christian than everybody there, right? I thought I knew more. And I just feel like there was a part of me that just always had to have this you call it cocky, but I, it's more like just a superiorness because I had to. Because how are you going to share the truth with people if they already have the truth? I knew that I had something you didn't have, for instance, you know? How crazy now I think about that, you know? That was normal. I never questioned my faith, and like I said, I thought I better was better than others. And then only like about 15 years into our marriage, I remember like the couple years before that, my husband was in his office all the time. Like, and I was like, and I know he's, he was always, like I said, he never got distracted by me being a dork or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very studious and all that kind of stuff. So here he was like studying all the time and I didn't know what he was studying. And we were in a good place. We started to be a little bit more open, like sexually within each, with each other, which was interesting. I think uh, vasectomies are very helpful for that <laughs> because you don't have to worry about, you know, Mm-hmm. having more children or this or that and all of a sudden it can be more playful and so I actually got to start being more sexually open myself with us and just talking about it more just because it could be a little bit more fun I guess but it still was always a bit awkward like I never was that impressed what sex was what I had built it up to be in my mind you know like I was like oh I can't wait you know can't wait to have sex blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah no it, it was it was not what I thought it would be, but we were really in a good place at this point. What you have to understand is my husband, he was a good choice for me. He was what my mom always said I should choose. Don't choose someone like your dad, blah, 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 blah. He was 
the choice that ticked the the right boxes. But like I, you know, like I always had friends, guy friends, and mm-hmm. I could talk to anybody. But you know, I can talk to absolutely anybody mm-hmm. anytime, any day for however long. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. I won't keep you too, too, too much longer. But. I never, ever, ever, ever could have an easy conversation with him from day one. I was super attracted to him. I was nervous. I could never talk freely with him. It was like dead air. And I just couldn't maintain much of a conversation with him. And I didn't see that as a red flag because, again, he was a good man, didn't lust, da 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 you know, had integrity, was smart, studious, you know, um, the perfect kind of husband, right? Um, good guy kind, respectful, all these kinds of things. I mean, if you're noticing signs, like, I could not be myself, right? Like, with with this person, even though he was the right choice, and I was doing all the right things, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't really think much about that, because there's sacrifice in life, right? You sacrifice yourself, you sacrifice things. As a mom, you make sacrifices all the time, right? That kind of thing. So, um, he ended up sharing with me probably what is the mo- was at the time the most devastating thing you could have possibly shared with me. Uh, all this research, all of a sudden, he didn't believe the same things, and really, he questioned. He was questioning his faith and questioning, you know, what the truth was, and and if everything we'd been taught lined up, and he was finding holes, and I was like, what? Like, I sacrificed everything to choose you and to choose this family. And do you know what the first thought was? What? My kids, so I had two girls and a boy. And my oldest, I was around 10. And I remember just, here I am, just devastated because being equally yoked is everything. I didn't date non-Christians because this was, like, super important, right, to to marry a good Christian guy. Okay, so and I had done that, even though it was not fun. He was not a flirty, flirty person. I couldn't have conversations, which are all super important things to me. You know me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he now doesn't believe the same thing. I'm like, what is happening here? My perfect life is being destroyed here. And the first thought I had was, what are we going to teach the girls about sex? Is he going to tell them it's okay to have sex before they get married? This is the first thing I thought. That's the conditioning. All of a sudden it was, how are we going to teach them? And I remember like a few years before that, my oldest, she had asked, you know, how do we know God is real? And she questioned, and I was like, we have to nip this in the butt. You know, I told my husband, we got to talk to her and we got to nip this in the butt. Like she can't ask these kinds of questions. This is big deal, right? Panic set in. So I was devastated. I didn't know where this was coming from. And it was like my biggest fear, like I said, was like my daughter's sexuality. Like what? What are we going to teach them now? Are we going to be on the same page? And I didn't know where to turn. And I felt like I was on this three-legged table, you know, like like your table here. You have this nice big square table. Well, imagine cutting one of the legs off. I was on there just trying to balance, trying to figure out what was real, what wasn't anymore. And I just started asking myself a lot of questions because... Remember, I have given myself to this man and I have so much respect for him because I chose that, right? And I thought he's full of integrity and he's smart and he knows things. And he never says anything unless he's really thought it through. So it's not like he makes rash decisions. It's not like one day he decided, I don't like being a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Like that's not him at all. So I was left with this like, what? Do I just ignore him? But I want to be on the same page. So like... 
either I investigate this or I don't. So I started investigating. I started looking at things and I started like really asking questions. And so you, you might laugh at this, but this is where the Playboy part comes in. At the time that we had Sirius Radio and there was a Playboy station as part of this Sirius Radio. So I started listening to Playboy Radio 24-7. Why? Why, you ask? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because they were the worst of the worst. I mean, those people, those sex people, like, first of all, the world, outside of my Christianity, my faith, nobody can have love or joy, right? They can't, they have no hope. They have no self-respect. They're doing sexual things, and they're maybe not married, like, cool. You know, like, this is terrible. They certainly can't love, and they certainly don't have joy, right? So I thought, I'm going to go straight to the worst of the worst, and I'm going to see if they are as bad as they are. You know, like, it, it doesn't add up. This is the quickest way to, like, find some things out. So I started listening to Playboy, and I was like, oh, my gosh, these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is happening here? I found a very, very different story. These people were loving and honest and authentic. They were kind. They honored themselves. They were supposed to have no self-respect. They were supposed to have no morals. All these things. They were intelligent. More intelligent than a lot of the people I was around. And I love intelligent conversations. But there's only so many things you can talk about when there's things you're not allowed to talk about. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, there's a list of things, basically, you can talk about. And other things might make you not fit in or be as Christian. So, I found my people, and they were just amazing. So, as I'm listening to this, they had such great connections with each other, and they had a lot of joy. And I was like, okay, this is weird. As I was listening, I came across this show called Swing with Holly and Michael. I'll put a link in the show notes to, to their webpage. But they're, they're like Playboy stars kind of thing. And they're a couple. And they were talking about this thing, like, where she had been Mormon and she was bisexual. And he had been a swinger. So he was like, they were married now. And they're like, well, let's explore that side of you. Let's explore our sexuality together. And let's, you know, share with people. And, and sharing is caring and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, what? Excuse me? What? And so they were talking about their experiences, sexual experiences with other people and celebrating that for each other and with each other and having these amazing open conversations where they're just, I don't know, celebrating. Like they really, they were just so happy. And what I learned the term compersion is like the opposite of jealousy. It's like where you feel great joy for your partner when they enjoy something for themselves, you know, whether it be sexual or, or loving or whatever. It's just, it's such a beautiful word. And I had never heard of these things. I mean, I was like taught that if you had sex with other people, that's the glue that keeps your relationship together. And so the more people you have sex with, it's like putting tape on a fabric and peel, peeling it off. It gets less sticky and less sticky. And so the bond doesn't stick, right? Mm -hmm. So I was so perplexed, but also relationship goals. I, I was just blown away. 
because I thought, how can they be talking so openly about this? I don't understand. So I started listening to a ton of podcasts, and this is how I became like a podcast junkie. I've always been a podcast junkie, so you know, it was just a matter of time for me to start my own podcast because I've got a lot to say, man. Obviously, we've been going for a long time. Okay, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. So I'm almost done here. So I discovered this world, and I was like, what is this? Basically. Sex positivity was what I learned on Playboy, (laughs) and it has shifted my life. I started to learn that sex was not shameful, my body was not shameful, that I didn't have to have guilt about things. In fact, masturbation was something they encouraged, because if you don't know your body, how are you going to tell someone else how to pleasure your body? Like It was just mind-blowing, all the cool things I was learning about. And that I didn't have to judge people anymore. And I remember the day I was in, I had created an acapella group and they were all in my living room. And I looked around the room and that day I was like, I am no better than anybody in this room. And I just remember just being so happy. Like, it's like everything came together. I was like, I'm no, I'm just like everybody else. I, I have freedom to be myself. These people accept me. Why didn't I accept them for just being themselves? Why do I have to judge them? I don't have to judge them. And who cares what someone thinks about sexuality and what they do with their own private lives? Like, why does that matter? And why are we judging that so much? Like, I just was like, huge shift happened, you know, and I, I just, this is this is what I want to talk about is this like amazing shift that has happened and it's because of sex positivity and the the ability to look past myself and past what I'd always been taught and be willing to maybe shift the programming. And that's so hard to do because you risk losing everything, but it's like in losing you gain because you lose the parts that don't fit you. And you gain who you really are inside. So basically you become your authentic self. Yes. And so I'm not just about like breaking free, like just forget everything you've ever learned. I think the word authentically is so important because I'm not about giving a big F you to the rest of the world, you know, or to men in that, you know, like I'm a woman and F you, you know, and, and give the proverbial finger to the world and I'm going to do what I want da, da, da. because submission is still important to me. I think it's a beautiful quality to have is to kind of know your place in your role, but not because I'm not worth it and not because someone is telling me I can't, but because I get to be self-aware and I get to stand back and I get to let other people be the star sometimes of their lives and not tell them how to live. And, and it's been transformational for my children and their lives. I was so worried about what I was going to teach them about sex. Well, I'm telling you, the conversations we can have and the freedom that we have together, I mean, they're so aware and they're so able to make good decisions for themselves because I don't hide anything from them. They get to be themselves and I don't judge them for who they are. And it's such a beautiful thing. So, yeah, I've become a critical thinker and it's been amazing. So, yeah. That's kind of my story. I mean, that I think sums it up. And I mean, I'm going to talk about a lot more things, but that's my story. And Very interesting. Thanks for sharing with me. You're so welcome. Thank mm-hmm. you for letting me share the story with you. 
And thanks for listening. I really appreciate you as a listener, and um, I hope you'll join me as I talk more about my journey, but as I talk about things that really can empower you in your relationships. Um, I have such a passion to help you to become who you truly are, to be an empowered and sex-positive person, and to get to embrace all parts and realize that there's more choices than just one choice. So I'm going to leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. Wow, what a fun interview that was. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. Again, I apologize for the terrible quality, but I think that the message still came through. So I'm going to leave you with this, and uh, thank you so much for joining me for the first podcast episode. This is so exciting. I've been wanting to do this for such a long time and I'm just super happy that I finally have done it. So I will see you next week and next week we're going to talk about sex positivity. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at CorrineBedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at BreakingFreeAuthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity... Authenticity is the key. Have a great week.